The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. Welcome Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTUV, WXYZ people, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina. I am the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns you about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us here on Friday, getting ready, going into the weekend. For some of you guys, you get a, you get like two days off. And uh, I get like one, which is great. I mean, it's in keeping with the commandments, right? We've been talking about that with with our work. Six days we labor, one day we rest, and I'm happy for that. God always seems to provide the rest, even though sometimes I'm exhausted uh, by the end of the week. I'm glad that you guys have joined us this morning. SonsOfLibertyRadio.com and SonsOfLibertyMedia.com is where you can check us out. SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. You can also check out the video portion of the radio show, you guys who are listening by way of Red State Talk Radio. You can go there and you can check out the face that's made for radio. Plus, you'll be able to see some of the things that I'm going to show you. I'm not going to—I don't know that I'm going to be showing you a bunch this morning except my mug, okay? So that's what you get to see for the most part today. But I do want to cover a a, a subject that I kind of ended yesterday's—I filled in for Bradley yesterday in the afternoon, and I kind of ended with an issue, you know, violence at the end, and I didn't get a chance to qualify that, and I thought— this is a good time. It might be even a provocative uh, subject to discuss, and that is the issue, is there ever a time for violence? Is violence ever good? So we're going to get to that in just a moment. You can also check out this video feed on my Twitter account at FPPTim. Um, you can check it out on Periscope at Setting Brushfires. Facebook page is Bradley Dean SOL. Our YouTube channel is B Dean Sons of Liberty. We're on BeforeIt'sNews.com every weekday morning at 6 a.m., Saturdays at 8 a.m. with Kate Shimarani. And um, then every afternoon, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, Bradley's on Monday through Saturday. So you can check us out there at BeforeIt'sNews.com. DLive.tv at The Sons of Liberty. And then finally, Spreely Gab Me, We Minds, and USA.life at Sons of Liberty and Sons of Liberty Media. If you want to call in, look, if you got a comment on this uh, or something pertaining to the subject, you guys uh, watching by any of the video platforms that we're on, 215-TOP-TALK, 215-867-8255. That's there in the bottom right of your screen. And then you guys listening by Red State Talk Radio, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, agree or disagree? Hey, I, I'm. people will tell you I'm fair with you. If you disagree with me, feel free to chime in, okay? And if we need to go back and forth, we can do that. Let's not talk over one another. Let's be respectful of one another, but let's get to the heart of the issue. Uh, and we're going to do that first thing because... What I plan on doing here is presenting to you not only a biblical uh, basis for 
what I would say is, quote-unquote, good violence, but a constitutional one. Okay, I want to give you both of them. And I want to give you examples from both our history and from biblical history. Our forefathers, Psalm 78, were to teach those things that God has done, and often God used his people as the means to do what he was doing. Okay? So I want to cover a couple of things first off, because if I don't do this, people misconstrue and misinterpret what's being said, and there have been people that have used the Bible in the name of Christ to do things that were never taught in the Scriptures, okay? They, they did. There were people who did that. And unlike Islam, where when their guys engage in jihad and the, peop- and the, 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 the Islamists in the West want to say, oh, well, Muhammad never taught, well, that's completely separate from every other Islamic follower and historian who's ever lived. It's just compl- Read Wally uh, Ferez's um, Future Jihad. That's, this is where I picked this up. Wally grew up in uh, Lebanon, and he said, the only time I heard of this moderate Islam was when I came to the West. Okay, So I have to keep distinguishing because people go, oh, Tim, you're a Christian Talibanist. No, I'm not. And I can distinguish the two very easily. In fact, I can distinguish it even from what we call American law now. Okay, what's termed as law. It's not law, it's pretended legislation, a lot of what's going on today in America. So let's get to it. Let's just start with the very premise of what Scripture says itself. I'm going to go to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. To everything there is a season, and a time to every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born, and a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to break down, and a time to build up, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to get, and a time to lose, a time to keep, and a time to cast away, a time to rend, and a time to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. Now, folks, you'll notice within that there are things that we think of as just maybe normal everyday things. We're planting, we're picking up plants, we're gathering stones, we're casting away stones, we're embracing, we're refraining from embracing. Those, you know, those are not really controversial, are they? But a time to kill, some people go, oh, wait, wait a minute. Doesn't the commandment say not to kill? Well, literally, it means not to murder. That's what it means. Because the scripture often implied a death penalty in which the community, not some guy pulling, you know, with a hood on his face, pulling a, a lever to drop the bottom out from people hanging by a gallows. It was the community coming together. It didn't cost anybody anything because that's why they use rocks. It was God's justice that was imposed upon the criminals, according to his law. By the way, everything wasn't a death penalty. Okay? There was like 10 or 12 things that were capital punishments. And even some of those were determined by the jurisdiction they may have happened in, such as in the family. Okay? So they could 
put the penalty away from it by and still condemn what was done. So I, I lay that out. That's the first premise. The second premise is I want to address people who will take the passages, or excuse me, the passage from Matthew 11, verse 12, where it says, The kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. See, some will take that, and they will twist it to say, See, we've got to take the king, we've got to impose the kingdom by force. And by that's not what it says at all. In fact, let me give you a couple of things here because I found them um, very useful in showing exactly how men of the past, not Tim Brown here in the 21st century, but men of the past, godly men, interpreted the text. And and I'm going to give you some examples, so just hang on with me, because we're going to move, those of you who don't like the Bible, just bear with me, okay? And by the way, I have an agenda in that, because what you hear, you can't unhear, okay? So I want you to listen to me. Just listen to me. That's all I'm asking. Matthew Henry, great commentator. Here's what he says about that passage. What Christ said concerning John was not only for his praise, but for the people's profit. Those who attend on the word will be called to give an account on their improvements. Do we think when the sermon is done, the care is over? No. Then the greatest of the care begins. John was a self-denying man, dead to all the pomps of the world and the pleasures of sense. It becomes people and all their appearances to be consistent with their character and their situation. John was a great and good man. Jesus said the greatest up until that time. Yet not perfect, therefore he came short of glorified saints. The least in heaven knows more, loves more, da-da-da-da. Here's, here's what he says. He talks about self must be denied. The bent, the frame, and the temper of the mind must be altered. Those who will have an interest in the great salvation will have it upon any terms and not think them hard nor quit their hold without a blessing. The things of God are of great and common concern. God requires no more from us than the right use of the faculties he has given us. People are ignorant because they will not learn. Oh, that, I mean, if that doesn't speak to our day, I don't know what will. I, I, I mean, it's incredible. Um, there is more here from the great Baptist expositor, John Gill. Here's what he says. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, from that time that he began to preach to then present time, the kingdom of heaven, the gospel, and the ministry of it, first by John, then by Christ and his apostles, suffereth violence or it comes with force. Now, here's what he's going to explain, and I need to, I want to have this preface. Some of you may not even understand why I'm doing it, but I'm doing it so people don't misconstrue and take out of context what I'm saying, because they will do it, and they have done it. They've done Bradley the same way. So I want to make sure there's a context here. And trust me, if your person in the media say, I don't know, Rachel Maddow from MSNBC, and you want to take the Sons of Liberty out of context, you better quote the whole thing. You better quote the whole thing. We suffered violence or comes with force and power upon the souls of men. It was attended with the demonstration of the spirit and of power as appeared by its being the means of quickening persons that were dead in trespasses and sins, enlightening the blind. This is, see... Let me finish. Causing the deaf to hear, melting and softening hearts of stone. This is what the gospel does. It calls men to repentance, and then God provides what he demands. This idea that you have free will to just do whatever you can fathom is not biblical. 
Your will is bound to what you want, and usually your want is sinful. Well, not usually. All the time it's sinful. It's never for the glory of God unless the Spirit of God puts that in you. Making of enemies, friends to God and Christ, turning men from the power of Satan. Again, this is John Gill, unto God, setting at liberty such as were slaves and vassals to their own corruptions, and in a word in being the power of God and the salvation to many souls, and which were further seen in the manner it did all this. Suddenly, secretly, powerfully, and effectually, I would even say violently, God calls you from death to life. That's a pretty violent transaction that takes place. And yet, not against the wills of men. Why? Because he transforms their wills. John Gill believed that too. Read some of his other commentaries. And by such instruments as the apostles were poor, sinful, mortal men. Uh, and he goes on. You can read some of that. I'll provide some of the links here in just uh, a little bit after the show when we archive the show. Just so you get a flavor of a couple of people. I could quote John Calvin on this. Uh, again, one of... Um, I mean, God really used John Calvin. He gets, boy, you're talking about somebody that gets blackballed and disdained by Christians. And what this man suffered and what he engaged in to bring us a lot of the things that actually John Calvin was the first American, if you will, in my opinion. He was the one who gave the notes in the Geneva Bible. The Scottish reformers, the, the guys from England who came, they came with the Geneva Bible. They came with John Calvin's notes, the studies that he had done to break away from Rome. And John still had parts of Rome in him. Here's what John Calvin had to say of that passage. Since the days of John, I have no doubt that Christ speaks honorably of the majesty of the gospel on this ground, that many sought after it with warm affection. For as God had raised up John to be the herald of the kingdom of his son, so the Spirit infused such efficacy into his doctrine that it entered deeply into the hearts of men and kindled that zeal. It appears, therefore, that the gospel which comes forward in a manner so sudden and extraordinary and awakens powerful emotions must have proceeded from God. But in the second clause is added this restriction, that the violent take it by force. The great, greatest part of men were no more excited than if the prophets had never uttered a word about Christ or if John had never appeared as his witness. And therefore Christ reminds them that the violence of which he had spoken existed only in men in a particular class. The meaning, therefore, is a vast assembly of men is now collected as if men were rushing violently forward to seize the kingdom of God. For aroused by the voice of one man, they come together in crowds and receive, not only with eagerness, but with vehement impetuous, impetuosity, excuse me, <laughs> the grace which is offered to them, although very many are asleep and are no more affected than if John in the wilderness were acting a play which had no reference to them, yet many flocked to him with ardent zeal. The tendency of our Lord's statement is to show that those who pass in a contemptuous manner and, as it were, with closed eyes, the power of God, which manifestly appears both in the teacher and in the hearers, are inexcusable. Let us also learn from these words what is the true nature and operation of faith. It leads men not only to give cold and indifferent assent when God speaks, but also to cherish warm affection towards him and to rush forward 
as it were, with a violent struggle. In other words, they'll put off and they'll do whatever they have to do to repent before God to obtain God himself. I mean, not to be God, but to obtain him, to be his. This is what true Christians do. Their violence is more about getting rid of themselves and not that doesn't mean offing themselves. It means getting rid of themselves and fighting against their sin that they might be pleasing unto God. And where does that come from? Well, it comes from God himself anyway. So there's a violent nature about that. Okay, I don't want people to take out of context what I'm saying. Now, let me give you some examples because part of the issue of what we're, what we're dealing with comes from the fact that we're seeing all of this rise in a police state. We are seeing it, folks. And don't don't forget, look, I just got word uh, yesterday from Kate, our health and wellness expert who will be on tomorrow morning, or yeah, tomorrow morning, 8 o'clock a.m. You can catch it on here on um, Red State Talk Radio. You can catch it on Before It's News. This whole virus thing, it isn't going away just because the stuff that, you know, the riots and looting is going on, which nobody's really doing anything about. And the call is for the federal government to come in, which they really shouldn't have any business in that. I'm just telling you, this ought to be a state issue. It really ought to be a state issue. It's amazing to me, the same people who are so upset that their businesses are shut down, they're being quarantined in their homes, they got to wear masks, they got to do all this stuff, are cheering the military being used against the people of their city. Okay? It's just... You're talking about the disconnect here. That's what that is. Now, I'm going to bring in just a little bit to help you see why things are going in the direction they are going, okay? Because even though there may be people who disconnect these things, they see enough to where they know something isn't right here. Now, some people can't let go of their political idolatry just yet, but you know what? praying for you guys, because I realize how sin gets an entanglement upon us. This is why we got to be violent towards our sin, our sin, individually. The first jurisdiction is the person. The second is the family. The third is the church. The fourth is the civil government. We got to start right here in this, in our own hearts, in our own minds. That's where we have to be violent first. Take no prisoners when it comes to sin, okay? And so I had a question, and then I'm going to lead into these examples because this other one I may run a little long on, okay? So we may have to go over just a little bit. I'm not sure right yet. I pitched this off to Publius Holda. She's our um, constitutional scholar, one of. Uh, we use Edwin Vieira as well. We bring him on the show uh, at times. But I sent an email to Publius because we're friends, and um, I said, do you see what's going on? Do you see the deception that's going on? Do you see this? Do you see kind of Donald Trump as the face of the new world order and things like this? Because that's what I see. I know a lot of people say, well, how is that going on? Look at what's going on around you and look at there's nothing to stop it. Nothing. Except the solution from the Hegelian dialectic, and that is a police state. Okay? They got you right where they want you if you're asking that question to me. Here's what she said, and this leads up to what I'm going to talk about. When I asked her that, she said, oh, yes, we're collapsing at a rapidly increasing rate. 
Trump is carrying out the globalist agenda. And as he is doing that, now this is a woman who supported Trump in the beginning. So this isn't a never Trumper or anything like that. She supported him thinking he would do the right thing and follow the Constitution. Well, you have to know the Constitution to follow it. That's the first thing. She said, and he is doing that. He contradicts his actions with words and sleight of hand actions to pacify his base. This is what I'm talking about, about showing up at a church with a Bible in his hand, folks. I had somebody tell me, oh, you don't know Trump's knowledge. Well, I can only base it on what he's demonstrated. And that's what I pointed to. Nothing more. He says he opposes globalism, but he signed and pushed the CFR's USMCA. And we talked about the CFR and the Bilderberg yesterday. If you didn't get that show, catch that one on SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. The USMCA trade agreement. He says he wants a wall between the United States and Mexico and even started to build one. But he pushed the USMCA trade agreement, which provides for open borders. I've concluded that he is either solidly and consciously allied with the globalist. Yeah, I think that's probably right. He's controlled opposition. This is what this looks like. And was elected to get the quote-unquote conservatives on board, which he has done, or he is way over his head and is blindly following his CFR advisors. And there's a bunch of them. And Bilderberg attendees, too. Go listen to the list. He's extraordinarily ignorant of our Constitution, which he took an oath to preserve, protect, and defend. But my chickens know as much about our Constitution as Trump does. And so-called conservative talk show host Rush Limbaugh, look, she used to praise Rush Limbaugh. And websites such as the Conservative Treehouse, etc., were right there pushing the globalist agenda of the USMCA. Conservative Treehouse pushed the USMCA trade agreement and removed links to my article showing the real agenda of the USMCA and barred a reader of the site who posted links to my papers, Joseph Farah at WorldNet Daily, refused to publish any of my work but gave pro-Article 5 convention henchman Rita Dunaway a weekly column. Yeah, that seems a little par for the course over there with some things. Not all, but some things. The American people are being played by those who plan to destroy them. But they refuse to listen to the truth. Boy, if that doesn't bring home biblical things about the hard of hearing, they're deaf, they're blind, Isaiah being sent to a people. God, here I am. I don't know what does. She goes on to talk about Q. Um, She has friends, like I do. Buy into Q. All of this stuff. She speaks about that. I'll have that up in the archive if you want to read it a little bit later. The reason I bring this in is... I'll have it up, Joy, in in the archive this morning. It'll be by the same title as the video. So just look for it on sonsoflibertymedia.com. We're going to have the scripture references. We're going to have some other things here. So here's the thing. You have people attacking you. I've said it before. When people say, why do you hate Trump? Yeah, he's already he's already been bought, Eric. I mean, that's the case. He's already been bought. Late 90s. Bought out by the billions, by the bankers. Uh, bought out... If you haven't seen a bigger farm of pimp for hydroxychloroquine than Donald Trump, I, I, I don't know what to say. Oh, well, it works, Tim. Is it? Yeah, I got stuff that you don't even need a prescription for that'll work. Just fine. And that's not meant for whatever the information, you know, stuff that needs to be out there. 
uh, that I need to say. It's not for you know medical advice. It's just for information, just so you know. I got stuff that will do that. Doesn't cost you anything. Don't have to go to a doctor. Don't have to get a prescription. Why the push for this stuff? Hmm? It's all about the money. The love of money is the root of all evil. Now, with that in mind, it's not just Donald Trump. It's the members of Congress who are doing this, that are pushing these things. They are creating war against the people. Okay? The governors, many of the governors in the states are creating war against the people. Some of the... um, Yes, I, I know, I know, Eric. Um, some of the people in positions of being mayors, city councils, county councils, are at war with you because they're at war with God. They won't follow what God says, but they're at war with you. I'm not a Trump hater. I ain't a governor hater. I ain't a mayor hater. I'm not a council hater. They hate us. That's the point. And we need to turn that narrative around on people and say, who is being attacked here? Me, because I point out the truth of what's going on there and who's doing it? Or the people who have usurped the Constitution have made themselves a law unto themselves and sought to put it on you. There are police in this land who are enemies of the people. There are. We've seen them. And there are good police, and there are good representatives, and there are good people in various branches of government who want to do the right thing and do speak up. I don't want to discount those people because I think at large they're probably... People who think like you and I, just leave me alone and let me live my life. Take care of the bad guys, the real bad guys. See, here we're we're going into a situation where we're going to get into you and I, the people who just want to live our lives. We want to honor God as best we can. We want to follow his commandments. We want to glorify him. We want to preach the gospel. We want others to come to Christ. You and I are going to be labeled the domestic terrorists. We already have been by the Obama administration. And in some ways, some people who are following Q, look, I think Q is a psyop, but I think there are well-meaning people who are just ignorant and they, they just have so much hope that a Savior has ridden in to the White House and he's going to take care of everything. How is he going to do that with all those Bilderberg and CFR people that he's put in place? Oh, well, he didn't know. Tell me. So he's... Is he really as smart as everybody says, you know, 5D chess, 10D chess, whatever the case may be? Or is he an idiot? Is he a puppet? I don't think Donald Trump is a stupid man. I don't. So I bring this up. So you say, well, what are you getting at in this? Well, I'm getting at the more this pushes, the more you're going to be you're going to be backed into a corner where violence is the last resort. And it's in the place it should be, and that is defensively. Did you hear me? It is not Antifa-like. It is not like some of these people I read in some of the chat rooms who claim they're conservatives and this and that. Oh, I just can't wait to go out and, you know, start shooting and blaze, you know, everything. I want to just kill everybody, let God sort them out kind of thing. That's not what this is. Let me give you a couple examples. One from history that I love. Uh, I'm going to show you guys this, because we read this with our kids, and they're little. Fair Sunshine. 
And you go, what is fair sunshine? It's the character studies of the Scottish Covenanters. The Scottish Covenanters were the forerunners of our forefathers. Again, these were guys that sang the the Psalms. These were guys that believed the Bible. And you know what? Even amongst their midst, and there's a great book, Fair Sunshine here, Jacques Purvey's. I'll have a link to that if you want to see it. And there's another book called Scott's Worthies uh, by John Howie. Both are great books. And I think you'll find them informative and encouraging about our real forefathers in Scotland because there were divisions between them. Some believed you should fight and some believed you should just be quiet and be led to the slaughter. And the interesting thing is the guys who fought, I mean, they were protecting some of the guys who didn't want to fight. But in all cases, when they were caught and there was nothing for them to do, they surrendered to the will of God. They went to the gallows to be murdered, singing the Psalms, glorifying God, even under death, because the Bible says that God delights in the death of his saints. Not that he takes any kind of, you know, carnal kind of delight in that, but he sees it as a good thing. They're bearing witness even with their own life of who he is and of what he says. I would encourage that. Some, they had a division among them as to whether or not you be violent to protect those who are weak, to protect families, to protect friends, neighbors, all of these kinds of things from tyranny. And then there were those who say, you just submit to it. I, now look, both of them held great theologies. Both of them had their reasons for doing that. But I side with the guys who say, you defend life. That is the positive side of you shall not murder. It is. It's just that. Okay? So I want to throw those out to you. The other part is to point to people in Scripture. We see persons like Samson who went out to fight against the people of God. Let me ask you something. Did Samson go out and fight with words? No, he picked up a jawbone of an ass and he whipped Hundreds of Philistines. And when he was ensnared by a woman, and he was brought really low to where he was doing the work of a donkey, and he was brought out as a spectacle by the enemies of God to mock God, not just him, to mock God, what did Samson do? Samson said, Lord, if you'll just give me my strength. And the Bible talks about his hair growing again. So all you people with who, who have a problem with long hair, uh, you really re- need to rethink 1 Corinthians 11. You really do, in the context, start calling out women with short hair. That'd be the first thing. The second is to understand men uh, like Samuel, Samson, John the Baptist. All of them had long hair. Why? Because they took a Nazarite vow not to cut their hair. Uh, you got you to gotta deal with that, okay? Be consistent in what you're doing. Not going to get off on that. I'm just saying. His hair began to grow, and what did he do? He pushed the pillars of the temple of the Philistines, and he brought it down on their heads. That was pretty violent, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Destroy the enemies of God. Now, I think those are pictures for us dealing with our sin. Don't get me wrong. But that was pretty violent. We had the people of Israel coming in, ordered to kill every man, woman, and child, slaughter all of the beasts. That's what they were to do. And then when you have people like King Saul going in and not fulfilling that, what happens? The man of God, Samuel, comes to him and he goes, well, what's that bleeding I hear you? Oh, the people made me do it. I'm just a weak little king, don't you know? Well, they didn't kill the king either. And the Bible says that Samuel called for Agag to be brought before him, and what did he do? 
He took the sword and he hacked him to pieces. That's pretty violent, don't you think? Pretty violent. In obeying God. I don't know of any commands that we have today to go take the land uh, in the way that Israel had. We take the earth under King Jesus through the gospel. That's how we take the earth. Sadly, too many Christians don't even know what the gospel is. They think it's God loves you. He has a plan for your life. And, you know, it's all syrupy, schmoozy stuff. And it's not about a violent confrontation of sin with people to say, repent of your sin, turn from your sin. This is what Bradley was talking about with the Grahams and the White House. Where's there been a serious confrontation of sin out of love for God and for man, for our presidents? Where has that been? Well, it hadn't been there. It hasn't been there. And that's why they continue to do the despicable things they do and the, and the lawless things they do. And if you think that Donald Trump is getting anything better, just look through his spiritual advisor, Paula White. I mean, you talk about a Jezebel. I mean, at least Jezebel had enough sense that putting on the makeup and stuff that she did, she was opposed to the man of God. This woman doesn't even do that. She pretends to be one of us. She needs to be called to repentance. Adulterous, criminal woman that she is. Now, let me give you an instance, a really good instance of violence. I wrote about this several years ago concerning our forefathers in this country. Okay? Maybe I won't have to go over. we got lots of time here. Uh, this happened many years ago. And here's what I wrote. Many today don't realize that we are facing the same sort of tactics by our own federal government that our forefathers faced from the British just prior to the War for Independence. In fact, I'll venture to guess that most people never were taught in school what I wrote in this particular article. Gun control is nothing new now, nor was it even new in the 20th century. It was very much alive in the 18th century. So when someone comes along telling you the founding fathers wouldn't have envisioned this or that, you know, whatever kinds of weapons that are being developed and this, that, and the other, with regard to arms, just remind them of what they faced during their lifetimes when the primary weapons were single-shot muskets and cannons and pistols. Following the events of December 16, 1773, in which the Sons of Liberty in Boston made a political protest of the tax policy of the British government and the East India Company. Remember we talked about that with, um, with Victor. This is part of our problem, <laughs> the East India Company, and the stuff of why we're in uh, the Middle East and things of that nature. I can't wait till Victor gets back on. We're going to be probably doing pre-recorded shows, but I can't wait till he gets back on. So informative. Disguised as Indians, a group numbering anywhere from 30 to 130 men dumped 342 chests of tea into the sea over the course of three hours. And guys, this was in protest of like a two or three cent tax. Okay? What's your taxes now? Huh? What's your taxes now? It's way beyond that. Okay? 
As a result of the protest, Parliament, with the direct encouragement of King George III, passed the Coercive Acts, or as they were properly known, the Restraining Acts in 1774. These acts are as follows. The Boston Port Act, 1774. All of these came in 1774. Quartering Act, Administration of Justice Act, and the Massachusetts Government Act. Though Parliament was warned by men like Edmund Burke and Lord Chatham that such legislation would not be wise and would not and would only provoke did you get that? Would only provoke the colonists more, they failed to listen to reason. They're kind of like Solomon when he went for um, counsel to those who were his elders and they said, Be kind to the people. Don't be rough with them. Excuse me, not Solomon, uh, his son. Be kind to the people. And he says, I'm going to listen to the younger guys who says, no, make their chains heavier. Be rough with them. Beat them. Threaten them. Provoke them. And that's what he did. He ended up getting what he paid for. This is what's going on now. We're being provoked. We're being provoked by our government. We're being provoked by provocateurs in cities. We're being provoked by communists, Islamists, Antifa, anybody who's un-American. That's who we're being provoked by. Patriots that heard of the acts determined that they would fight and die rather than see such laws enforced upon them by the British Army. The patriots of Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, resolved, quote, that in the event of Great Britain attempting to force unjust laws upon us by the strength of arms, our cause we leave to heaven and our rifles. <laughs> they understood that it wasn't the rifle that, got, that, got, that gained the victory. It was God who gave them the victory. He fought on their behalf. But just like David, David didn't just go out there empty-handed. He took a sling and a stone, didn't he? And these guys took their rifles while petitioning heaven. In fact, that was one of the flags that was flown. Interestingly enough, a South Carolina newspaper essay, which was reprinted in Virginia at the time, recorded that any law that required the military to enforce it was necessarily illegitimate. Hmm. Hmm. They recorded that any law that required the military to enforce it was necessarily illegitimate. Did you get that? What are we having come on top of what we're having now? Oh, we want to have military enforce something that somebody's not even authorized to be doing. Let me, let me speak to that. Constitutional, right? And the idea of violence. Is it the National Guard's uh, duty to come in. We've seen what they did with Hurricane Katrina. It was atrocious. Disarming people, coming in and beating up little old ladies who just wanted to live in their house and protect themselves. It's not the government's job to be charitable, folks. It's just not. It's their job to punish the evildoers, to bring justice. How much justice are you seeing taking place in this country? Tell me. How much justice? 215-TOP-TALK, 215-867-8255, if you want to call in and tell me. How much? No, we see criminals being released in the name of COVID-19, while others are, while innocent people doing the things that they're supposed to be lawfully protected from, assembling together, practicing their religion, free speech, all of these kinds of things being taken to jail or fined. 
Uh-huh. You see what I'm talking about? Here's what the Constitution says. Congress is to provide for calling forth the militia to execute the laws of the Union, suppress insurrections, and repel invasions. Folks, that's pretty violent that you got to do. That's, that's a violent thing that has to happen by the militia. Where's the militia? Where, where are they at? Where's the call for that? Uh, I don't see anything. Andrew, it's more than the Democrats, man. Got to wake up there. Republicans are doing it too. And Massachusetts, the royal governor general, Thomas Gage, forbid town meetings from taking place more than once a year. So when an illegal meeting was taking place in Salem, he sent in the British Redcoats to break it up. They were met with 3,000 armed Americans. Woohoo! I can, I can see some of you guys. You get excited about that. Here's the good guys. They didn't stand down when they should have been standing up. They didn't listen to the, to the, the PSYOP Q operation of that time to sit down when they should have been standing up. 3,000 armed Americans showed up against these dragoons, these British redcoats, and they retreated. <laughs> they retreated. Interesting is Gade's age. John Andrews said that anyone in the area that was 16 years old or owned a firearm and had gunpowder. I mean, this is, this is what they were doing. They were doing it at a very young age. They learned these things. If you were wondering, yes, this is where the, fir- the issue of the First Amendment came from and where town hall meetings originated from. In Massachusetts at that time, it was getting real, folks. It really was. The British realized they could not control the people with only 2,000 troops in Boston. So what did they do? Well, they sought to eliminate the people's ability to firearms and gunpowder. Sound familiar? Yeah, yeah, that was Obama. Um, think red flag laws. It's a backdoor way. It's a sneaky way of getting your arms. And let me tell you something along that line. If you don't think it can happen to you, let me tell you what they're doing in the UK. Kate sent me a message with some documentation the other day. Here's what's going on over there. They are taking their children. If you send your children into the schools, you are, by definition, consenting to track and trace over COVID-19, which we know is a big hoax. They're having to prop that thing up. I don't even know if you can believe the reduced numbers that they have. I just don't know that you can believe that at this time. Okay? Then they're taking the children and they're saying, if you're talking about 5G, like it's dangerous and this, that, and the other, if you're talking about vaccines that they're bad, you're being indoctrinated by people who are mentally unstable. And you should report them to the police. That's what they're telling children in UK schools now. Sounds very communist Chinese, if you ask me. But it's coming here. It's coming here. You watch it and see. They've already been advancing the LGBTQ or STUVWXYZ agenda. You watch what they're doing. Over there, it's coming here soon. Turn your children against you. That's what they're looking to do. This is why I think it's a foolish thing to send your kids to public schools. Just saying. Okay? So here they do. They come after their guns. And you can bet when they, when they label you mentally insane or th- this is where I told conservatives and constitutionalists, don't jump on that bandwagon after Sandy Hook. 
You do not want the government determining who's mentally stable and who isn't by a bunch of people who aren't mentally stable and who aren't and are criminal. You don't want that. That is not a solution. But they decided they want to come. You guys remember the famous midnight ride of Paul Revere. The British are coming. The British are coming. What were they coming for? Their arms, their black powder, their cannons. All of this. On September the 1st, 1774, just before dawn, Governor Gage sent approximately 260 redcoats up the Mystic River to seize several hundred barrels of powder from the Charleston Powder House, and this became known as the Powder Alarm. The militia at the time produced 20,000 men who mobilized and began marching towards Boston. Ha! I would have loved to have seen that during the Boston bombing. 20,000 men versus the cops going in and terrorizing people, going through their houses and junk like that over one boy. Come on. American colonists believed that if the British were going to use force or violence to seize arms or powder, it was an act of war and they would respond in kind. That's the proper violence. Do you understand what I'm saying? The violence we're talking about is not breaking stores, stealing stuff, murdering police officers, beating people up, you know, on the other side with the cops, just randomly spraying people with pepper spray, holding them down by the neck through an Israeli trained maneuver to basically suffocate the life out of somebody. That's not the violence we're talking about. We're talking about a just cause which is defensive. This is what our forefathers engaged in. So what happened the following year? David Copel writes this, and I'll bring this up for the viewing audience. Five days after the powder alarm on September 6th, the, mil- the militia of the towns of Worcester County assembled on the Worcester Common. Backed by the formidable array, the Worcester Convention took over the reins of government and ordered the resignations of all militia officers who had received their commissions from the royal governor. In other words, if you were loyal to him, we don't want you around. Get out of here. The officers promptly resigned and then received new commissions from the Worcester Convention. That same day, the people of Suffolk County, which includes Boston, assembled and adopted the Suffolk Rules. The 19-point resolves complained about the powder alarm and then took control of the local militia away from the royal governor by replacing the governor's appointed officers with officers elected by the militia and resolved to engage in group practice with arms at least weekly. See, they had training. They weren't just, you know, guys out in the backyard with a beer in a hand and going, hey, y'all, watch this, because that's what some people do down in my way. Not not all of them, but most of them are really responsible gun owners. I don't, I don't mean to to impugn anybody. I call myself a redneck, okay? But sometimes that's the way some people are with things. They trained. They became a community with one another. I think that's one of the best things a militia can be, is bringing the community together. And they resolved to engage in these practices at least weekly. The First Continental Congress, which had just assembled in Philadelphia, unanimously endorsed the Suffolk Resolves and urged all the other colonies to send supplies to help the Bostonians. Governor Gage directed the Redcoats to begin general warrantless searches for arms and ammunition. You see in the Fourth Amendment in this too? Oh, by the way, they were putting up the troops. You see the Third Amendment in that? You see the Second Amendment in this? This is where all this is coming from. 
Warrantless searches for arms and ammunitions. According to the Boston Gazette, of all General Gage's offenses, what most irritated the people was seizing their arms and ammunitions. Why? Read the Second Amendment. Yes, there's a militia there. Yes, there's a right of the people individually to keep and bear arms. But why? To secure a free state. It's right there in the middle of the Second Amendment. To secure a free state. These weapons of war, and I don't care who says whatever they want to say from Congress. We don't need weapons of war on the street um, unless it's the agents of the state. They can have them. They can have MRAPs and Bearcats, and they can have bazookas, and they can have all kinds of tactical gear and fully automatic weapons, long-range sniper guns, whatever the case. Our guys can have whatever, but we can't put that in the hands of the people. It's just too dangerous. Do you see that? These same criminals in D.C. and the states who push that nonsense are doing the same things that our founding fathers fought against and the reason they wrote the Constitution. And I'm amazed when I have to confront fellow conservatives, people who call themselves conservative, and they're willing to fudge and they're willing to justify whatever their team's political jersey deviates from the Constitution. And they want to give them the benefit of the doubt. And I'm like, no, 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 no. They're either going to follow the law and uphold it, or they're not. And if they're not, they need to be removed from office and they need to be charged with a crime. It is a crime against the people. And you remember what Stonewall Jackson did? He had a couple of deserters. And they brought him back. And he was grieved that people in the Stonewall Brigade would run And he said, look, their crime isn't just about them. Their crime is against all the people we're fighting for, men, women, children. They're fleeing from the battle, and they are leaving them to be slaughtered. And he ordered their execution because it was a serious crime. And he said, duty is ours. The results are God's. Now, somebody else said that before him. Not sure if it was John Knox or not. Somebody said that before him. Duty is ours. The results are God's. We're not to be beholden to a political party or political person. And so what happened? Well, the British came in and they wanted to try to take all the people's arms, their powders, their cannons. And there was this run to the fort to gather up all that stuff before they got there and to protect it for the people. And here's what Patrick Henry had to say on March 23rd, 1775. You you know, eventually this led to Lexington and Concord, the shot heard around the world, right? That was because it was defensive. All right. It was defensive. Patrick Henry, March 23rd, 1775, gave his famous speech to the Virginia legislature. And during that speech, he said, The millions of people armed in the holy cause of liberty and in such a country as that which we possess are invincible by any force which our enemy can send against us. The problem is... For some people, they still haven't 
seeing the enemy that's before them. On one side, some people think the Democrats are going to save them. On the other side, some people continue to think Donald Trump and the Republicans are going to save them. And they hadn't figured out that both sides, both of those boots are attached to the same tyrant. They've abandoned the Constitution. They don't follow it. They don't know it. They don't know the Bible. And the people are the target. You and I are the target. So I think when I start seeing people who want to say, well, Tim, you're just a Trump hater, this, that, and the other, I'm saying, well, you must be a people hater because you don't want to uphold the law. Maybe that would get somebody's attention. I don't know. Don't make excuses for law violators. Let me see if I can finish because we're, we're running out of time here. Um, put this on so I don't have uh, an issue when we come to the end of the show. The convention put forth a committee which included Patrick Henry, Richard Henry Lee, and George Washington and Thomas Jefferson. The purpose of the committee was to prepare a plan for the embodying, arming, and disciplining such a number of men as may be sufficient to defend their commonwealth. This convention then urged, quote, that every man be provided with a good rifle and that every horseman be provided with pistols and holsters, a carbine, and other firelock. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something to see? I mean, we're already buying military hardware anyway. Um, I'd, that'd be interesting to see. A real statesman stand up and say the same thing. Why don't we provide the people with arms and ammunition, train them as the Constitution says, so they can do the work that is the people's in executing the laws of the Union, suppressing insurrections, and repelling invasions? The people can do it. Not paid law enforcement. Not a National Guard. Not a tyrant. But the people carry it out just like they did in the days of the book of Judges, carrying out the just punishments that are according to the law. Not vigilantes, but according to law. That's a pretty smart thing. Yes, violence has its place, people, just like everything else. The question is, what kind of violence are you engaged in? One, are you engaged in spiritual violence of your own sin in your own heart? And two, are you willing to engage in the violence, the physical violence necessary to defend life and to preserve it against tyrants? You guys have a great weekend. If you're here with us on 8 a.m. Saturday, we'll see you then with Kate Shimarani. Otherwise, you guys have a great Lord's Day. See you Monday.